Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. Relationships can be hard, and it can take a lifetime to learn about ourselves. On this episode, I spoke to Siobhan Mullins, who's a trained family lawyer specialising in the separation agreement space. She helps couples to make their separation agreements official quickly and easily. She talks about the process what she sees, relationships in general, and many more topics, and I'm sure you'll get a lot out of it. Thanks again for supporting Move Your Mind. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to moveyourmind.me, or you can purchase the Move Your Mind book at nickbrax.com slash book. Siobhan, thank you so much for making the time to come on my podcast. Oh, Nick, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's been great to, I, I guess I always say, you know, being able to do these remotely is such a positive thing because I get to, I'm in New York at the moment, but, you know, able to have this conversation with you now. So um, appreciate you. What time is it for you? It's um, just after nine, nine. In, nine in the morning. Yep, in the morning. Okay. Yep. 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 Well, appreciate you, you know, jumping on first thing in the morning to, to come oh, on the my podcast. Pleasure. My pleasure. Great to connect. Uh, so before we get into it, I normally get the guests to just give um, a bit of a background on themselves and their story and sort of, you know, how you got to the, where you are and what you're doing now. So um if you don't mind, just giving a bit of a, an overview about yeah where you've come from and, and what you do. Yeah, so um, I'm one of four kids. I have three brothers who I love to bits. Um, I'm a family lawyer by trade but collaboratively trained, so that is I focus on helping couples to stay out of court and you know work together to reach the very best outcomes for them and their family. Um, and, you know, getting into that, I... Uh, originally started studying social work because I wanted I had that that passion for social justice and helping people and um, I subsequently moved into studying law um, because I've got a very analytical brain in that space Um, and so a few years ago I, I set up my own small business that focuses on helping couples exclusively in that separation agreement space um people often ask me you know you know, are your parents separated or have you been through a separation and, you know, what makes you so interested and passionate about this particular area? And look, my parents are still together after 30, close to 40 years, I think. Um, so it's really <laughs> this love of relationships and, and people, um, you know, and I've got some incredible ra- male role models in my life. So um, I I want to see, you know, kids grow up with that. And if um, you know, the, there's a sense of um, being able to help men who potentially are, aren't that great at asking for help, you know, if I can come at it in a collaborative way and, and arm them with some of the conf- confidence and information to move forward in their separation. Um, sorry, mm. I'm jumping all over here. but um, No, <laughs> it's great. A bit of a... <laughs> jump, as, jump as much as you like, and that's what we will try and jump as much as we can in, in this chat. But, um, yeah. no, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I guess, you know, relationships are such a huge part of life, one of the biggest parts of mm. life. And uh, we're not taught, you know, we're not taught about how to, I guess it all links, you know. I, I guess that's why I'm 
interested to have this um, chat as well it all links to mental health and understanding ourselves and our emotions and you know all that sort of thing and stuff that we just we don't get taught about so often Mm. we'll sort of have to learn through trial and error and sometimes if we don't have the right guidance we might not be able to sort of correct mistakes that we make so I think it's such an important area when it comes to you know mental health for us to understand you know the mechanics of this oh gosh yeah yeah the more we can do to to talk about it and um yeah bring awareness um to to improving people's lives and and education is yeah um it has to has to happen yeah and and is it do you see through your work as men has i guess you were saying for men often you know they might not know how to talk about it um has has that led to mental health related issues in in what you've seen i yes i think there's this um when you think of that traditional family law legal system, there's this idea of, oh, well, it favours women. It favours, you know, mm-hmm. the mums are always going to get the full-time or primary care of the kids and, um, you know, what about the guys who can feel very much hard done by and I feel like the system is against them? Um, and so when you've got that, uh, you know, ex- perceived experience but also those sort of um, uh, lived experiences through mates who have gone through it or other family members, um, you go, well, yeah, look, why would I um, necessarily entertain engaging in that sort of process? And, you know, the median age of men who are separating, I think it was in, as at 2020, was something like 42 years or something. And so you think 40 years wow. ago, well, God, we're all still growing up with the, um, you know, man up, you know, don't show emotion, a bloke is this, you be that sort of tough macho guy. So there's still very much this lived experience and this stigma around talking about feelings and emotions and and asking for help. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I do see some, um, I suppose, behaviours or or things that I think might signify there to be a bit more more to to what's being shown in terms of a problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I guess, you know, and I've seen that firsthand through, you know, a, a, a friend of mine who, um, a male who had a horrific sort of situation happen and he had his kids taken away from him and it dragged out over, you know, a five, 10 year period and um, his ex-wife had moved to another state and sort of it took, he was sort of discouraged to go and take it to court. And, you know, as it turned out, she actually had, you know, very severe mental health issues and he ended up sort of getting custody of, of the kids. But um oh or getting, you know, not, sorry, not custody, getting um, shared, you know, custody of the kids. But uh, I guess I'd learned a lot through that. And, you know, not that it should be favouring one side or the other, but I guess just being able to find that middle ground where um, whatever side you're on, that you can feel like you you can really, you know, have your rights, you know, be, be heard and, and get, you know, have your rights to, you know, where, where you stand with it. Mm. And I think it, it's one of the problems is um that issue of being reluctant to ask for help or seek out proper information and you know women we we tend to be better at asking for help sharing Mm -hmm. amongst friends and family and and talking to people for advice but guys there's still as I said there's this stigma of asking for help and so we try you know for some guys they try to do it alone and so they're coming from a place of I don't know exactly what I'm doing but I think this is right and so for each person for realistic expectations to be set very early on in the piece in terms of 
what an appropriate outcome looks like moving forward um, and how you can, um, well, the things that you can do early on in the piece to, you know, work towards that shared care arrangement sooner rather than later, but also taming behaviours. Because if he, if the guy knows, look, I know she can't move interstate without me, Mm. you know, agreeing to it, and I do in fact have, um, you know, the ability to seek to spend significant and substantial time with my kids, you're going to be coming from a place of well confidence and hold up. Let's be realistic and work on this together. Um, mm. You don't get your way necessarily. Um, and, and so how can we, you know, be more collaborative? Because um, at the end of the day, it's the kids um, who irreparable damage is inflicted on them by those high conflict separations. Um, and that, that too leads to mental health and, and certain patterns in adulthood as well. Yeah, and I guess that can become a sort of um, self-fulfilling thing where, you know, if it comes from the parents and then the kids, you know, take on that that trauma or, you know, whatever, that, that situational stress, then they end up not learning the same, you know, mistakes, learning from, the, you know, the mistakes that the parents made and they pass that on to their kids. And I guess in, until that cycle breaks, it probably just keeps going a lot of the mm, time. Yes, yes. Uh, so you, you, when you were saying 42 um, is the median age, are you saying that's the median age of divorce, um, 42? Of, of separation. Of separation, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so with divorce you can't actually apply for divorce until you've been separated for 12 months and one day. Mm-hmm. So that's that 42-year period that we're seeing. For women, what, what was, what's the median age for separation for women? Uh, off the top of my head, I think it's or something roughly? like 38, 39 point something or other. Right, so it's pretty young for, for on both sides. It is, it is. I think, um, you know, we, we're certainly seeing uh, groups, clusters of groups coming in. So we're seeing what I call the Cupid couple or the career couple who, you know, have been together for maybe 10 years but they don't have kids, um, mm. got together in early 20s, then come early 30s they're making the move to separate. So there's that cluster, that cohort. Um, then you've got the parents who've got those school-age kids and they've been together maybe sort of 8 to 12 years and that's where I think you're sitting with the um, the median age for separating for, for men and women. And then you've got the much older, sorry, I shouldn't say much older, but um, what we call the silver splitters, so those couples who are sort of 55 years plus um, who've made the decision after they've got their adult children that look going into retirement, I don't think this is... I want mm. more out of life and, and I don't think that this is going to work moving forward. Um, so they're, they're the um, the peaks as to when I think um, well the trends that we're seeing come through in terms of um, couples who are separating these days. Yeah, it's so interesting. And do you, do you know roughly what the figures are around how many relationships end and, you know, what that sort of what percentage, you know, last the and stay the the course and what percentage end up you know falling apart separating so i think for married couples these days it's sitting just under 50 percent, so something like 47 48 percent um but we are noticing that um, marriages are in fact lasting longer and in part that's because people are getting married later in life so you're 
you're, you're clearer as a 30-something-year-old perhaps in terms of what you're looking for by way of a life partner and, and those sorts of things. Um, de facto couples, I'm not sure. So de facto being those couples who live together um, but aren't married, um, I'm, I'm unclear on the stats for that. Um, but uh, certainly the bulk of the couples who I work with today have been um, married but for those Cupid career couples is what I call them. Yeah. So the younger set. <laughs> it's super interesting though, you know, and 50%, I guess it's, you know, it's a pretty big figure. And um, I guess I think it's only positive that people are getting married later now and, you know, doing a lot of things later because how, how are you meant to know, you know, what you actually mm. want and, you know, you need that time to find out about yourself and what you're looking for in life. And if you get married in your early 20s or, you know, you meet your partner, then sometimes it might work, but a lot of the time you might find, you know, I'm a completely different person than I than I was back then and I thought I knew what I wanted and everything like that, but mm. I've realised, you know, it's, it's a lot different and, we're, you know, I'm a different person than my partner and I'm sure that would happen so often. Yes, yeah. We have um, what we call the amicable separation quiz and we give a few prompts in to ask people what are the reasons that you identify for, you know, thinking about separating or the reasons that you have separated. Um, and often, you know, there's the values. I, I've just realised that we have different value sets. Um, there's a loss of love and affection and um, the communication. So communication seems to be mm. the number one reason why um, people identify as we're separating because communication has just deteriorated. Um, and I think... Certainly, um, headspace is so important when when you are separating, because like death, there's that grief cycle um, of you know grieving the end of the relationship as you know it, um, but also recognizing that even if you as the individual made the decision to separate, um, and you then communicate that to your partner, your partner might be in a very different headspace to you off of that grief cycle. So um, just being clear that, look, I can't push them before they're emotionally ready um, to move forward with the formal aspects. So I've got to be mm. a bit patient and, mm. and respect where they're at emotionally. Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com slash book. And we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're going to be lo loading up other groups. And you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events. We've got courses. We've got huge amounts of value the ability to share information share ideas work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings to learn about different topics you get email reminders there's a whole lot of features in there we're constantly updating it and we're so excited to share it with you you can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me yeah definitely and, and you know that makes i think in general in life as well you know identifying values and communication are just two of the biggest things we can't really mm. you know we can't really understand much about anything or anyone if we can't communicate properly and and it is it's so important to you know know what your values are if i think back to previous relationships i've had 
um, you know, when they didn't work, it was when on reflection there were just complete different core value sets and you look back and you say, well, that, you know, that was never going to work. But at the time it, it sort of just organically happened and mm-hmm. um, it's so interesting. And I think it just, again, comes down to, well, the more we can educate, we, we can learn about ourselves and become more self-aware and try and really understand ourselves and the, the more we're going to be able to um, look for those quality, the qualities we want in a partner or, you know, like you're saying, be able to communicate and talk through issues when they're happening so people don't become, so you don't become resentful at each other and hold on to these different things that could maybe be resolved through communication. Yes, yes. And it's that thing of giving your partner the opportunity as well to um, redress any hurt or upset that you feel that they've inflicted on you. Um, yeah. What what are, what are some of the... Um, difficulties you, you see come up in in that grieving process you were talking about are there certain things that um are- ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quite common that people find really difficult in that period. Um, And are there some examples of, you know, things you see coming up? I think um, there's a saying that women grieve before they leave. Um, so that is they've already started the, the grieving process, the, the end of the relationship, um, whilst they're still together with their partner. And so for, for some women, they say, look, I've given him all the chances. I've, I've shared with him. I've communicated. Um, I've asked him to pull his own socks up and I just don't see any change happening, but I have no other choice but to leave. And so um, for the guy, even though the, the writing might have been on the wall for years that, you know, we're heading towards a separation, he mm. can still feel very much blindsided and shocked um, and really upset. And so there's got to be a degree of patience um, with that because he has, you know, he's just beginning to, to grieve the relationship as he knows it. And so the risk that you have there is if you push him before he's emotionally ready or has a degree of acceptance that the relationship as you know it is ending, you're going to be met with resistance, distrust, he'll shut down, he won't participate in conversations. And the same thing is said for women as well. So for some men, you know, who decide, look, I'm out, he might have emotionally checked out of the relationship and then he eventually gets around to telling her she too can be very devastated. There was some... uh, a lady who we spoke with and my, my team spoke with and the husband apparently said to her, I haven't loved you for three years. And she was, mm. aside from angry, she was so upset because she had made decisions for their benefit as a couple with a view to, well, we're going to be spending the rest of our lives together. Mm. But he didn't, for whatever reason, um, he didn't. he decided not to perhaps respect her enough to communicate that earlier. Um, and some things, the necessity of some comments, you know, you, you kind of question, but he, from his perspective, might, he might have wanted to make it very clear to her there is no prospect of us getting back together. But that was quite a damning 
um, mm. you know, share or statement from him to her that inflicted a lot of perhaps unnecessary hurt. Um, so, yeah, mm. there certainly can be um, uh, problems that arise with that grief cycle when you're not checking in with one another to see where you're at on, on that cycle. Yeah, and and I guess there's no no way to really prepare for that process unless you've been through it already. Is that another thing that seems to be happening? Um, I guess most people they're learning as they go in that process. You sort of you wouldn't know how to prepare for that. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, you sort of go, yeah. oh, how do I do this? How do I communicate? What? How can I? Because it's so uncomfortable. You know that you're going to be introducing a lot of change and instability. You'll know that you may very well be inflicting hurt on the person and you don't want to see them hurt. You still want to see them as a happy, healthy human being after the fact. Um, and when you think of separation and divorce, you think this is going to be a life-changing event, one that is incredibly challenging for us both and our family. How are we going to move forward and overcome it together so that we don't end up in court? We don't have expensive lawyers who we can't, you know, afford um, and inflicting irreparable damage on us. There's got to be a way to, to do it. And I think, um, you know, the, the beauty is that if you get the right information at the right time early on in the piece, your chances of separating together versus apart in that traditional legal system are far greater. And that to me... Um, is what's inspiring when you see those people put their hands up and say, hold up, we're out of our depth. What do we need to do to get on the same page and work together, you know, recognising one another's feelings and, and hurts to to come out the other side? Yeah, for sure. And what do you what do you think needs to be done in society for people to be better prepared for that or to be, to be more educated about this? Like is, are there things you think that, we could in education or different you know parts of society that could be you know done better to um to help in this area yes yes there certainly is and i think everybody's um the idea that well we're going to end up in court that is that is just not an option court is there for those couples who have you know the um high conflict significant complicated issues of family violence abuse questions of law all of that for everybody else um it's really just surrounding yourselves with the right people who are going to meaningfully help you work through this lily pad mm. your way towards a separation agreement um and so i think that the more the legal profession but also the community can do to in fact um uh, dismember the idea that will uh, the threat of going to court is a genuine threat and we will end up there if you don't agree to this um, is something that we can better educate people and also offer some reassurance to say, look, it's actually a way through this. Um, what will help you to, to get on the same page to work through it is to do A, B, C. This is what you need to know. Here's the first mm. immediate step. Just making the complexity and anxiety of separating simple and easy will work mm. wonders for couples and their kids. It's a 10 year anniversary of Underbracks and we've relaunched with the classic white pair. 
We've also got new styles coming out super soon. We're donating a dollar from every pair to mental health, currently to one in five. You can find all of this at www.underbracks.com. Yeah, because it can, yeah, just such a stressful process to be going through otherwise. And mm-hmm. there's no, yeah, 100%. So I think it's so important. Um, another sort of general question with relationships, I don't know what your, your view is on it, but when it comes to codependency, is that something that seems to be a big issue that, you know, that you generally see? Uh, yes, um, in terms of certain aspects, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly when you're thinking about the social setting, um, I mean, for many, um, and even the research in part supports this, but for many men in particular, their support system largely consists of his partner's wife or his partner's friends and family. And when you mm. separate, that can fall away altogether. So this guy is left out there alone going, hold up, who do I have to support me through this experience and process um so that that aspect of that codependency yes um you also see a little bit of the um perhaps those traditional sort of relationships of look I don't need to think my partner's got this and so that dependency on them that can certainly um uh, reduce accountability and that feeling of responsibility in terms of the breakdown of the relationship but what needs to happen moving forward um I mean, I I practice in a very niche sort of area nowadays, but certainly when I used to go to court and, um, you know, we're we're representing people about finances and and kids, um, there would be complicated issues of codependency, whether that be about substance abuse, but also, um, you know, the dynamics of family violence, those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And when it comes, I guess, for yourself, a lot of the time we just ask the guests, you know, um, in not not just in mental health but in wellness in general, uh, how do you maintain balance in your own life? What are some things that you do um, or do you find that difficult? I guess, you know, in this day and age we seem to find so many guests now, you know, burnout is such a huge thing and it's hard, you've got to be more rigid about trying to manage that because, you know, the world's 24-7, we've got access to technology 24-7, you know, are there some things you do personally in your own life that you know, you can share with us uh, that help you? So I am a working progress. Um, <laughs> I am the best violator of my own boundaries and that is the story that I need to stop telling myself. Um, the story that I ought to be telling myself is I am in charge of the boundaries that I put in place. This is a bit of Tony Robbins coming in here. Um, <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, look, in terms of the things that I, I do, uh, I um, certainly put boundaries with regards to what time I finish work. I feel that I have to, otherwise I won't switch off. Um, I, you know, have goals in terms of the number of times that I will and must work out each week. Um, and I've been looking to introduce sort of some of that, that daily gratitude. You know, what am I most grateful for? What was the high point of my day? Um, what did I learn? Because it's those things that carry over and, and um, help prime you for the next day to come, something that you might otherwise be dreading, but you're, you're getting in there and you're, and you're looking forward to it. So that, that state, that physiology, um, yeah, work in progress, but I, um, I certainly do try to focus on my mental health and well-being and I too have a support person I have a psych who I see from time to time um because I know I know there are things within me that I certainly need to improve on as well 
Yeah, well, I think we we all, everyone should, you know, see, see it's like we can all improve. It's like saying, you know, I don't need to work out. I think we can all improve and um, I think we're all a work in progress. And, you know, I, I talk about a lot of this stuff, but then there's so many things that I slip up on and find difficult. And I think, you know, just being honest with ourselves and not being too hard on ourselves about it and just trying our best and trying to, you know, look at the areas we can improve and making small steps forward is is all we can do you know we can't sort of do everything at once and life's life's difficult you know there's only mm. so many things we can manage at a time so yeah i love the points you made there uh so we we finish every episode with just five closing questions so i'm not going to throw you you know too far under the bus here they're not any <laughs> nothing too crazy um but the first one is uh what's your what's your best childhood memory that comes to mind ah uh. This would be, I found my dad's wallet underneath um, the carpet the carpet in his car. I found his wallet and he bought me um, the little Kelly doll with the toilet. Um, <laughs> yeah. I absolutely loved it. So I think I was maybe six or seven. So that was a really fun memory. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I love it. What do you think is the biggest burden on mental health in society at the moment? Oh, gosh. Um, so there are two parts. It's, it's a struggle for me to say that the biggest burden, but I think in part, you know, we're, we're, we're living with the pandemic and we've got all these economic um, influences here, interest rates, property market, cost of living, all of those things. And so we're moving into a scarcity mindset. That is mm. people are squirrelling, they're... they're um, when you think of our fight, flight, freeze responses, people are saying, well, hold up, let's, you know, winter, bear down, um, hold on to what we've got. Uh, so I think that's a real struggle for people at the moment, that um, financial instability or otherwise uncertainty. And then I think as well there's still this, and it, perhaps it's because my area at the moment is quite focused on men's mental health, but for blokes, you know, we've still got this stigma of, you know, not asking for help the guy having to be the breadwinner and carry responsibility for the whole family unit. Um, and I f those those two things um, are perhaps the biggest uh, burdens on, on mental health at the moment. Mm. No, I think that's a great answer. And, um, yeah, really it is. It's very sort of topical what you're talking about. So, yeah, definitely agree with you on that. Um, what, what would you say is your personal definition of happiness? Oh, uh, the first word that comes to mind is contentment, um, yeah. peace, and that, that focus on look at what I have. I have my health. I have a roof over my head. I have joy on a day-to-day -day basis and I have the ability to smile um, and, and do something for others, whether it's even just as simple as smiling at somebody, but I have this ability to bring joy and help others. And I think that's real contentment and peace in in one's own ability to do that yeah totally agree i think yeah it's gratitude and, and helping others and it, it, it's difficult to you know just find that gratitude daily because the mind can be conditioned to look at you know what's next and how do i get to the you know how do i achieve this next thing or this next goal or you know just get you know instead of just enjoying the process that's probably the thing i find you know to mm. this day most difficult but it does make life a lot more enjoyable if you can find a way to just be grateful and in, enjoy the process yes yes what are you most afraid of uh, 
not growing. Not growing. I think um, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, you know, for you to, um, you know, as human beings, we need to naturally evolve and grow, and um, that takes um, a lot of reflection and you know, self awareness and insight. Um, and so, there's probably a part of me that fears. Well, if I don't grow and overcome some of my own internal issues. Um, what does that mean for the future for me, for, mm. you know, when I have kids, for my relationships, for, you know, my relationship with my partner? So that fear of not growing um, is something I've got to lean into and deal with rather than avoid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and final one, what are, you, what are you most proud of? Probably the relationship that I have with my partner, actually. Mm. I think um, people often ask me, you know, being a family lawyer, not that mm. I identify as that, does that um, dissuade you from marriage and relationships and all of that? And it doesn't because I learn from the people who I work with perhaps where I could improve and what I could do differently and how do I mitigate the risk. Again, this is my analytical brain coming in, but, um, you know, <laughs> just working on what issues are showing up in my relationship that I'm contributing to and how can I um, you know, change, um, change and, and grow. Um, so I'm really proud of, I suppose, the relationship that I have with my partner. That's the most thing that I'm proud of. Yeah, well, I think that's a, a great answer to end on. And, um, and definitely, you know, learning from, from the industry you're in makes, makes a lot of sense. So really appreciate you coming on and talking about all of this. Oh, and, and also for anyone listening, if they want to learn more, about the work you're doing, where, where can we send them? I'll put all of this in the show notes and all the links, but, um, yeah, where, where's the best place for them to go? So the best place would be the website, which is separatetogether.com.au. Great. And, again, yeah, that'll be in, in the show notes. So anyone listening that wants to wants to go and look it up, just go go to the notes and, and, and click on the link. So, um, Trevon, thank you so much for making the time. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Nick, for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks to Siobhan Mullins for joining me today for Move Your Mind. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to moveyourmind.me or you can purchase the Move Your Mind book at nickbrax.com book. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.